one of the first things of course is you you need to have a conversation really with the student and their parent or guardian so that everyone is completely aware of what the agreements are i know some student coaches and student coaching organizations who sort of say you should record every session you do if it's especially over something like zoom others would say absolutely not because again that's another safeguarding issue of what what do you do with the recordings and so on welcome to coaching in focus i'm joseph grek your host and in every episode we are joined by a guest where we discuss a specific area within coaching practice to help you develop your skills and spark some curiosity in relation to the profession On this episode, we are talking to Nick Woolley, who is an ICF-trained coach focusing on personal development and wellness, mainly working with students and young adults up to their 20s and 30s. Spending nearly a decade in secondary education, Nick realised that his passion for helping people didn't have to be limited to the four walls of a classroom. He's the founder of his own coaching consultancy, Alba Coaching, where he works in partnership with people to empower them overcome obstacles, reconnect to their purpose and reach their full potential. nice to see you um, today how are you doing yeah really good thank you thanks for thanks for having me how are you I am doing well the sun is shining it always makes me happy it is so glorious here um, so maybe uh, shall we start by telling us a little bit about what you do yeah great thank you so um, so my background's in education uh, I was a secondary school maths teacher for, for nearly 10 years um, and realized that actually that I wasn't fulfilling my passion um, and I came across coaching in a leadership course initially, mm. um, and I was just blown away with, with how powerful it was. Um, and it just made me realize instantly that that was what I wanted to do. Um, so I did a bit of research, uh, and so completing my ICF accredited training, I felt it was really important to be accredited by essentially, you know, the, the leading governing body of, of coaches. Um, and then on the back of that, I did a wellness um, ICF accredited wellness course as well um, and then I've actually done a student breakthrough accredited coach training as well um, so I sort of have a few different hats on um, but my main focus really is supporting people in their in their 20s and 30s to sort of overcome obstacles to to fulfill their fulfill their p- potential really I realized that I didn't have to be limited to the four walls of a classroom in order to fulfill my passion yeah and that's so nice actually to hear isn't it that you know you're still supporting um people you know younger adults as well but not within a classroom setting but more in a one-to-one environment i suppose yeah absolutely i mean i feel like you know in in school students get a lot of support but there's also a lot of um i'm not sure what the right word is but the i feel like the education system doesn't always set students up to succeed in quite the way that people think it would 
Yeah. They sort of go down this line of they're told to do well in school to get good good grades to move on to to college or university and then work hard to get good grades, then progress on to onto their career. But that's no longer the case. You know, people mm. might might change their jobs four or five times, even in their twenties. Mm. Um, and so it's no longer the case of you you get one career and that's what you pursue for the for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and as I say, in school you get a lot of support, but as soon as you leave school, there's suddenly very little support out there. Um, yeah. And I just really feel like I've noticed with a few of my clients that actually without without sort of going out hunting for it, that that support just isn't there. There may be family members, but they all have their own personal views and opinions rather than sort of like a non-judgmental space to to yeah. sort of share and bounce ideas off yeah I mean even I'm reflecting about my own um you know upbringing as well and I was when I was studying there was and of course I'm a bit older now <laughs> but there was literally I would say no support whatsoever around that you know I um I had to really work through this stuff by myself I mean we did have a school counsellor but it wasn't something that you did it wasn't something that you you know you really didn't go unless there was some there was something happening there were some issues essentially you didn't really talk about your career development you didn't talk about what you wanted to do you might have done one of those assessments uh, and that's about it so it's really nice to see you kind of and people like yourself bridging this gap between you know the formal education to Kind of launching a career or launching into the um, working world yeah I mean it can be so so daunting for these young these young adults sort of first first leaving school or colleges whatever path yeah. they've taken um, and then suddenly they get they get spat out of the education system and they've got to find their feet and I mean yeah. there is there is starting to be change um, schools do now have um, sort of career programs for example yeah. but they're quite rigid still um mm. in terms of there are a few of the main sort of professions that that would be spoken about and kind of if you're not academically minded then oh you go to college and find a trade but there's definitely a bit of stigma around it which i which i really dislike um and i think that i really hope that this pandemic because it's changed so many things um specifically talking about the education system i really hope that it brings about more change because you know sort of the curriculum's so bloated now there are so many things that are expected to be taught that actually you don't have time for the life skills and the you know learning how to deal with challenges um and so on how to overcome them and how to work out what career you might like to do um which which can be so challenging and then you know if you think a 16 17 year old leaving school and kind of going oh i've got no idea yet you know, if you think back to what, what you thought you might like to do when you were a teenager, um, for me, I'm definitely not fulfilling it. <laughs> so um, what then, I mean, I'm really intrigued by this, particularly because I personally have not worked with young adults. So what could be some of the differences that you see between working coaching adults um, versus um, students? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and it's something I've, I've had a couple of conversations with a few people about it, really. Um, some of the main differences is the um, building the relationship and building the trust. Um, right. With an adult, quite quickly, they would. there is still a building trust element to it. But even if you met a stranger and you had a conversation with them, if you got past that sort of 
those five initial interactions that are very short and, and simple. But if you started asking them some questions, mm-hmm. they would know how to respond. They'd be able to articulate an answer. Whereas students can tend to be a bit more shy, a bit more reserved. Um, and they've also then grown up with having adults just telling them what to do the whole time. You know, yeah. and, I, and I don't mean that necessarily in a, in a wrong way, but they've grown up with, with parents and teachers being the ones who say, oh, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. You shouldn't do that. So they sort of, there's not been that many times in their lives by that point where they've had their own choice around what they do or what they say. Um, and so that can be far longer in order to break, um, in order to break down those barriers. Mm. Um, and so one of the main differences, whereas the ICF, they tend to try and avoid using tools, um, which I can, I completely understand. You don't want mm. to. The prescriptiveness of it, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to be forcing your agenda on the client. If you've already got a tool that you're going to use, then you're, mm. you're not going with what the client's needs are. Um, whereas with the students, and again, you know, you wouldn't just say, oh, I know which tool I'm going to use before the session. Sure. Um, but having a, t- a toolkit, if you will, of, um, of different exercises you could use, they're mm. almost just a great way of, um, as a prompt almost, you know, giving, yeah. giving the students something to focus on that they can relate to, yeah. um, which then helps to build them up. You know, with some of my students I've, co- I've coached, the first few sessions I have had to almost metaphorically hold their hand through some of the process, especially to start with, you know, things mm-hmm. like um, agenda setting that, uh-huh. you know, they wouldn't necessarily know what a, an agenda is and they don't yeah. necessarily need to know the exact definition, but they won't have ever been the ones to choose mm-hmm. what they want to talk about, for example. Mm-hmm. But after a few sessions, once you build that trust and they get used to the process, you know, I then had, I, I think of a couple of examples where the students were coming to me, you know, already saying, oh, this is what I'd like to talk about this week and, and that sort of thing. So, Which is amazing, you know, when we get to that stage, because I, I can really picture what you said, you know, these students coming in and they're expecting you in a way to behave like a parent, behave like a teacher um, as a result of that perhaps power dynamic, typical relationship that you see. And all of a sudden there's somebody who's saying you're in control what do you want to do i can i can see how that can be motivating but also a bit like oh what's happening here one of the most important things when you're having these conversations with the with the young adult or the student you know whatever their age is is to talk to them on a on a sort of a, a peer-to-peer level you know because they're so used to having an adult be the you know i guess be the adult and tell the child what to do and if they're if they're struggling with something then you know, they, they ask for help. Um, and this isn't, you know, this isn't explicitly, well, I guess it is helping them, but they've not necessarily cried out for help for it. Um, but if you can speak to them on, on the same level, and, you know, that would look different if you're talking to a 12-year-old, if you're talking to a 20-year-old. But if you can level yourself such that it is that kind of that peer-to-peer respectful conversation, then they'll, they'll respond so well to it. But it, it does come as a surprise them because they, they will have never mm. had that before. They're so used to that power dynamic, isn't it? The facilitator mm. or the trainer or the adult or the teacher um, being in a more powerful position anyways because their role, because perhaps the knowledge that they might have uh, and all of a sudden the imbalance of power can throw them off a little bit, but in a good way. So would you say, is there more of an element of role modeling here? when we're working with younger adults? Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's it's super important to 
do that in the right way. Um, yeah, like we were just talking about there, if if you just jump straight in and always talk about your life experiences, then that's kind of jumping back into an adult child relationship. Um, but yeah, absolutely, because they're still they're still find their feet. Um, but what's really important with that is that you still do it in a coaching way. You know, so you, you ask permission to share an experience you've had, which again is that on the on that peer to peer level, you're inviting or requesting their permission, which isn't something they will have experienced before. But also, after you share your uh, experience, you need to ask a learning question off the back of it. I'm guessing with adults as well, they have more life experience in general, isn't it? So they can they can tap into um, previous experiences that they've had, other individuals that they have met, uh, with particularly younger students, if we're thinking about 12, 13 perhaps, um, that can be quite limited. So I suppose that's why, to a degree, these role modeling behaviors are so much more important in a way. Mm. Yeah, they, they absolutely are. It's, it's very true. You, we will have, as adults, we will have had more life experiences. But that's not to say that you, you might have that with, a, with an adult client. So from that perspective, it's, it's not that mm. dissimilar, you know, because there might be a time where you, where you stop a client and say, do you mind if I share an observation or do you mind if I share something that I've noticed about about yeah. myself um yeah and it's just being respectful to them and asking it asking for permission to share but then what's really yeah. important is after that is going back into a learning question to see That's see what they can take from it see if it applies them because they may listen to the you know what what you've got to say and think that that's got nothing to do with me in which case you yeah. just acknowledge that and you, and you move on um yeah. uh and I might be wrong here, but is there more of an element of an external motivator for younger people versus more of a, an internal motivator for adults? For example, it's more common for adults to talk about their values or their leadership purpose, if we're thinking about executive coaching. What do you think the motivation is for younger people to come into coaching? That's a great question. Um, I think it probably varies, a bit like it would for adults. Um, they, they probably would have different motivators I think some could be external, some could be internal. You know, there, there's definitely been some students where it could be their their academic successes um, that they're, they're struggling, um, and it could be their parents who first brought brought up the conversation with them, and and you can clearly see that. You know, in the same way as when you're coaching adults who kind of say they want to be coached, but they're not, they don't they don't then take the action steps. That can be the same for the children, although the times where they've been the ones who've sort of wanted the support who sort of just feel like actually I'm not quite sure how to act in certain situations or how to respond to to things can be can be huge so it can I'd say the I guess the the reasons they're there would would differ but there would still be a variety so can I ask um like how do you find your clients in a way like younger people do they come to you um is it for example through an agency well you know how if somebody wants to get involved how would they find work there are a few different um a few different ways so for example um having contacted schools for example they might say oh yeah we could do with um, you know certain students could could benefit from it because schools most schools will have a counselor of some kind but uh, in the same way as for adults same for young people that coaching is a different form of support to to having accounts that you know so you would you would be 
helping them or supporting them with different different things. Um, I've also had referrals from from adults about their children, um, for example. So there are a few different ways in which um, people can sort of, I guess, get in touch or find student coaches because there are a number out there um, who, who are excellent. And yeah, so it can be through the coaches contacting schools and kind of offering their services. And so what could be some of the things to consider when it comes to safeguarding? Mm, well, of course, that's that's very important, especially when you're working with the younger younger adults and, and students. Um, one of the first things, of course, is you you need to have a conversation really with the student and their parent or guardian um, so that everyone is completely aware of what the agreements are. Um, mm. You know, I've sort of, I know some student coaches and student coaching organisations who sort of say you should record every, every um, session you do, if it's especially over something like Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then others would say absolutely not, because again, that's another safeguarding issue of what, what you do with the recordings and so on. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, again, that sort of transactional conversation you'd have at the start, and the same as you would mm-hmm. if you were going into a corporate organisation, mm-hmm. or if the, if the person you're coaching is different to the, the bill payer, if you will, then you have yeah. to have the conversation to see. Um, yeah. In terms of what I do, um, I sort of make it very clear that I don't record the sessions because actually if you're coaching in a, in a, in a proper professional manner, then there shouldn't ever be any, a time where you come close to crossing any kind of barriers or, or lines. Um, but then what I also agree with both the, the client and their, and their guardian is that I would send a, I use voice notes, for example, mm-hmm. just give a, a brief overview of what's been discussed. You know, I won't, I won't go into any detail and I make it very clear that I won't disclose anything confidential because you still have that confidentiality with the child. But in the same way, like with the ICF, you know, if it is something that is at risk of their risk of harm or harm of someone else or something unlawful, then obviously you you have to break that confidentiality. Mm. Um, But you have to, you have to build a level of trust in there, both for the guardian and for the, the student that actually, mm. if they trust you as a professional, they have to trust that you do have the, the student's best interests at heart. Yeah. Um, and similarly, the student then has to build that trust with you because otherwise, if they think that you're going to run and tell their parents every little thing they say, and actually that could be part of the, the challenge they've got is a relationship they've got with a, a parent or guardian. You know, I, I've not had it, but I know... Um, some some of my friends who are, who are student coaches have sort of had that that half of the challenges and and the parents have known this and this is why they've got a, a student coach in is to support the, the the young person with their relationship with their parents you know, mm-hmm. so if they're if they're sort of disclosing things and you don't necessarily want to breach that straight away um so it's i guess open and honest conversations at the start is the best way to go um, in terms of to protect myself things like a dbs um certification is definitely definitely mm. worthwhile i've never actually been asked for it but i know i've got it there um, yeah. if i need to and then and things like safeguarding you know there is training that you can mm. do so would you say that having specific certification or qualifications or training um with how to work with younger people and adults, younger adults is a crucial thing to have. 
I think, I guess, I've got a couple of different ways in which I think I'd answer that. It depends a bit on your background and your experiences. You know, if you're, if you're familiar with working with children, young adults in a previous role or, or something like that, then I think you'd probably be more equipped to do it without, in short. Yeah, like in your case, you know, you've been a, a teacher, you've worked with um, younger adults mm, before. Absolutely. I mean, I think in, in short, I don't think, I wouldn't say you absolutely need to, you know, because the, the coaching role in itself is the same thing. You know, you're asking... Mm open um you know deep learning questions you're you're offering a, a safe non-judgmental environment so the the core bones of what coaching is are exactly the same and it's a bit like you know if you decide after you've done your coach training to to coach executives or do group coaching there would be yeah, yeah. there would be courses you could do that give you that um give you a bit more of an insight into that niche but actually would you be capable of coaching an executive of course you would. Um, whether you have the confidence to do that would be another thing and maybe you feel like yeah. you need to. Yeah. Um, exactly. But I think probably what maybe the easiest answer to it would be if you don't feel confident jumping straight into coaching mm. young people, then at least having a conversation with someone who's done it before to, to give you the comparisons and to, to help you see. Um, yeah. But yeah, but if you're not sure, then absolutely, I, I highly would recommend getting getting some some extra training but i think that you know as a qualified coach you you have the the skill set um but just bear in mind that especially in those initial conversations getting the conversation going can be harder i mean some adults will you know do the same give us one <laughs> one word answers <laughs> i think for me as well if i was doing this type of work i'd also want to be aware of some additional resources that are out there to not not necessarily support me, but also support these younger adults or children or students, such as I don't know, Childline, NSPCC, etc. Um, just in a way, knowing who to signpost to. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's that's that's very important. As you would, even if you're coaching adults, that there there are times when something might come up where you think actually this isn't coaching appropriate. This our our coaching conversation isn't appropriate for this or. And, and yeah, as you say, with, with the young adults, even more so, there might be, sadly, some significant things that come up which just aren't appropriate to be talking about with a coach that doesn't have the same qualifications as a counsellor, as a therapist, for example. So I think being aware of those so that you can signpost at the right time is, is really important. Um, you know, depending on where you are, these, you know, the numbers would differ and that sort of thing. So I think that is really important to to know you know it's not it's not the kind of thing you're going to send out to every every client after every session but just if the appropriate thing came up yeah and i guess that's why the certification or some further training for individuals who've not worked with younger people is key in a way mm. yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. i mean you, you know some of these situations you can you can talk about about them and have different scenarios played out but actually when you're where it, when you're in it it can be so different to mm. how those scenarios seem. So yeah, I think if you think about those elements of it and you're not confident of what you would do, then yes, I think that again, that's a clear sign that some formal training would mm. be would be sensible. So usually what we do towards the end of the podcast as well is ask um, if you've got any tips for individuals who either might want to start working as student coaches or want to get a bit more involved. Um, what would you say? Um, so 
I think, as I mentioned, I mean, getting stuck into it is, is the best thing you can do. Um, if you're not sure, then offering something like pro bono um, to a, you know, it could be to a friend's child. So you already kind of know the child. Um, and maybe it's just they're struggling with school or something like that. So, you know, it probably won't go too deep, at least straight away, just to just to get a feel or even just to have a, a coaching conversation or two. That can help. So Nick, so um, so we're getting quite close towards the end of our podcast. Uh, and I just want to say thank you, first of all. Um, thank you so much for spending half an hour um, with us today uh, discussing such an interesting topic for me. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's been great being on and, and talking about it. Yeah, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Coaching in Focus, the podcast by Become Coaching and Training. And if you have enjoyed today's episode, we would absolutely love it if you could leave a review wherever you've found this podcast. We're available on all the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So until I see you next time, take care.